Thursday in December here in Toronto on a Thursday where we have had maybe one of the matches of the year just last night. This is BAM. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Boris, and I'm joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. It's unseasonably warm, Boris, both in the city of Toronto and in the wrestling business, where we might have had the match of the year in the middle of December here in 2021. But man, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. You know, just... Uh, just another day in the in the neighborhood. Just another day in the office. Uh, I am right now in Mississauga at the Parentals, and uh, basically since six thirty a.m. up until twelve fifteen, I had no internet, no TV, no phone, which is always fun. Well, you know, no landline. That is uh, not that I use it, but you know, it's 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 it's, it's a thing that that old people use. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's just like one of those weird days, man. It's unseasonably warm. What is it? It's like 15. 13. Yeah, it's 15 degrees here in this in, in, in the GTA. It's just absolutely crazy. Uh, and yeah, it just, you know, it's December, but then it's supposed to get like really cold tonight. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully we're apparently we're going to get a white Christmas, whatever that means nowadays. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I'm feeling good, uh, officially off work yet again. Like I mentioned on NXT talk, I was called in for a few meetings, Wrapped that up today with a meeting with my CEO, pretty good stuff there. And then and now I'm off until like, you know, I'm taking a couple extra days off on the tail end. So I'm off until like almost mid January now. Nice man. Well, so actual vacation time for Boris and yeah, but I hope a white Christmas is referring to the snow and the weather, not some kind of hate group or something. Anyway, buddy. Uh, well you, you seem like you're a good spirits today. Yet again, you seem like you're, uh, you know, you're healing up the old, uh, collarbone shoulder situation. How's that? Do I see some, uh, Cesaro athletic tape there on the, on the shoulder? Yeah, it's, it's there actually it this stuff legitimately works i'm let me tell you i was the biggest skeptic on this stuff um but it it works well if if, if done properly like if it can't be too tight because you can hurt yourself more um but it does legit help it gives me at least some mobility and it's not gonna like you know f uh heal a broken bone but at the very least it'll you know the, 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 the it'll it, it'll take some pain away um as the famous peaches song says um <laughs> But uh, it's not take, but it's a, but you know, you know where I'm going with that. But yeah, no, it's uh, it actually is helping feeling like I need, I have some mobility. I do have a sling now. Um, I'm not where I don't wear it all the time, uh, especially when I'm like on my computer. I just, I, I need my right hand. Right. Uh, so yeah, but like little by little, hopefully I see the, uh, the specialist ASAP. Um, still doing this with, you know, taking Tylenol, extra strength, maximum is all I'm taking at this point. Uh, cause it's a slippery slope, obviously. Um, but yeah, and you know, day by day, that's pretty much how I'm going here. Yeah, you don't want to get a painkiller addiction because you randomly fucked your shoulder up in a way you don't even know how, right? Like, exactly. Exactly. Like, it, you know, and, 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 you know, the good thing is, like, if this were 10, 15 years ago, doctors would just willy-nilly prescribe whatever, right? But now there's this, like, they're, they're actually thinking before they write the prescription. And a lot of doctors just flat out do not give 
anything, all the, you know, the quote unquote good stuff, as, as people would say, right? Um, they're very careful about what they give you. And, and, and if they do give you some, like I remember when I got uh, randomly beat up on the streets of Toronto, um, it, they gave me, I think, five perks. And that was it. Right. Which, yeah, which is even then, like, not that much really at all. But yeah, five perks that could, it could fuck up a human being for a little bit, Boris. I bet you were flying. But oh, uh, to, to be honest, um, I still have all five. I didn't use one just oh, there for a reason. It's just like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like, I've, I've, I've always been wary of medication. I don't take medication. Like, even, you know, even when I have a cold, like, I will just take the bare minimum to, to get through. I've just always had this weird thing about, like, you know, getting addicted to something. And, and you know, it's just, that's just how I've always been. But, you know, this, with this shoulder injury, it's like the only time where I'm just like, yeah. I can see how someone could get into, you know, into fall into that rabbit's hole. Yeah, I feel you, man. You know, what's funny is I'm the same way. I don't really I try to stay away from any pills like as much as I possibly can. I do, uh, you know, imbibe in other ways, Boris, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah, no pills. I, I just yeah, I'm kind of uh, just just stay away from that whole area. Dude, you know, it's you funny. Know? It's funny that you say like, you know, that you take other stuff, right? Like. My mom, the most conservative person that you will meet in your life, you know, super conservative, super religious, super, you know, old Latina mom, right? Yes. Um, you know, like, like I, I, I'm pretty sure, like the, yeah, she'll drink a bottle of tequila, but that's like the most, the worst that she would do. Um, but she has chronic pain. She and she has had chronic pain for a long time. Like she was on the El Salvadorian national softball team, so she was like a like a, an athlete. She did swimming and a bunch of stuff. So she has some pretty gnarly injuries um, from from her youth and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so she's had chronic pain. She's had a knee replacement surgery, uh, which ended up causing somehow a, a heart condition and she got a triple bypass. Then she ended up getting like an infection in said bypass. And it is like an sh absolute oh, shitload. She, she just had chronic injuries. Um, anyways, short story long. What I'm trying to get to is, you know, old conservative religious latina mom all of a sudden now is like taking like cbd oil and stuff like that yeah. getting high at night i'm like you know <laughs> i wish i wish i wish this was you know when i was in high school this was like a thing <laughs> would have been a lot easier for high school boris if mama bear was smoking dope in, <laughs> at night then but uh yeah I, mean, I didn't realize that your mom was a baller swimmer and softball player yeah. that's amazing yep Yep, 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 yep. She was, she was like, pretty good. Like, um, I'll show you one day. Like, I have like newspaper clippings of her uh, playing softball and whatnot. She, she was uh, apparently pretty good. I don't know. Um, if if the newspapers uh, aren't lying, then she, <laughs> she, 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 she was pretty good. But yeah, uh, but it's just like kind of funny, right? Like, kind of how the, um, how ever since it's become legal. You know, now it's like now it's a, now it's okay. It's like you you funny old people. <laughs> well, that's the way it is, though. I guess like literally, it is okay by the by the letter of the law, Boris. But yeah, you know what's funny is I know a lot of old people who have done the same. Very very conservative, super religious, or whatever. Just wouldn't touch a drug. Yeah. But now that marijuana is kind of out there, there's lots of CBD oil, lots of just you know edibles and smoking dope. 
I love it. You know, if everyone did it, we would be a much better off society. I think so. It'd be a little more relaxed, a little more chill. Everyone, things would get done at a at a slower rate. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But there's nothing wrong with that, man. We we need to relax a little. Honestly, we're just like it's what we were talking. Like I was literally just having this conversation with my CEO about like just the pace of corporate America right now and how there's like this pressure on the economic recovery because of COVID and you know companies trying to take advantage of the windows between waves, right? So it's just like it's just yeah, it's like corporate America right now is just a shit show. Um, And I talk about this on my other podcast, the It's Canon podcast about. Like, especially in the tech industry, you're really starting to see labor unrest. You're seeing people who make, you know, six figures getting angry at their employers because they're, they're still feeling overworked, under, under, uh, like overwhelmed, underappreciated and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, it's just interesting to kind of see all of this, like in, in this world. And, you know, as you know, we're talking to COVID. I think we're going to be kind of talking about that in sports in a couple seconds. But before we go there, Matt, how are you? Yeah, man. Thank you for asking uh, again. Like I'm just hanging in there. Today's a very beautiful day. I have a lot to do. So I'm probably going to hopefully get out there in the city of Toronto, get a couple things done. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just, it's pretty, it's, the crunch is coming. Christmas has come quick. I have zero Christmas shopping done. I really got to get out there and figure that stuff out. Uh, you know, man, but the other life is good. Hanging in, hanging in, buddy. Uh, how are you, how's your Christmas list coming along? Man, it's funny that you even say that because I am so not prepared whatsoever. Uh, get uh, this. So Brutal, eh? I've been buying a lot from Amazon and like ordering from Indigo or like not necessarily just Amazon. I've been, I've been making orders, right? Um, it's just easier for me, uh, with COVID and, and the variants really like, uh, running wild. I've, you know, I'm just a little more nervous, uh, mainly because like I do have a grandmother in a nursing home in a hospital, you know, essentially hospice at this point. Right. So I gotta be careful. Uh, I don't want to, endanger anyone that I see in those homes. I do get tested almost daily at this point. Um, but, you know, I've been doing a lot of online shopping is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm getting stuff sent to my parents' place just because I've, I've kind of been hanging out there a little more. Um, and uh, yesterday, the first couple things were supposed to show up. Amazon or Indigo or, or 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 the mail service says it's been delivered. Oh, I, I don't know where shit is. So it's just like you know now best. it's the frustration, right? Um, which is fine because I didn't do too many orders. So probably like early next week on Monday or Tuesday, I'm gonna go to like Square One or something and and just like get what I need. It's not luckily it's not too much. Um, you know, my sister and I did tag team like for a few people uh so you know it's it's like those are already done it's like stocking stuff or stuff for my little nephews basically i need to get like you know the kids right like at the end of the day christmas is for kids um still debating my friend whether i should get the lady friend a little something something we're not going to see each other at all probably the earliest until um until new year's but that's that's we'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see if, what, what happens <laughs> different there. podcast for a different day <laughs> exactly i i keep you know i keep having to remember that bam is free every week uh if you know where to find it so you know i'm, I'm a little more careful about stuff i say sometimes 
Uh, it's hilarious, man. Yeah, I've done uh, my my sister's birthday is right around Christmas, so I got her birthday present. But I've done like pretty well zero Christmas shopping. So today is the day I got to knock a couple things off my list. But yeah, hey. parents, couple couple friends, sisters, uh, you know, perhaps a, perhaps a lady friend. Uh, the, I, I got to anyway. Go on. The beauty is that the mall near us, Dirty Duff, is like has everything you need. <laughs> Exactly right. The dirty duff is always there in a pinch, buddy. It's like, uh, yeah, man, it's reliable. Old, reliable Dufferin Mall. But it doesn't have a Swiss chalet anymore. <laughs> Single tier. Pour one out. But it was still there for Thanksgiving. I got one last Thanksgiving feast out of it. Amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just recently closed, which is kind of funny, just because, like, literally the week that we were talking about it on our podcasts, um, that was when they announced that it was going to be closing. So it's just kind of funny how all that worked out. Uh, but yeah, man. Yeah, no, Christmas, like, honestly, I feel like it was just the roll around the turnover from November to December. And now we're like a week away. It's like, where the hell is the time going? Like where has 2021 gone? I honestly feel like this entire year has just like, you know, blink and boom, here we are. Especially because it's barely gotten cold yet. So it still feels like we're in the middle of fall. Like, you know what I mean? The fact that it's December 16th today is just wild. But yeah, time is not slowing down. <laughs> it keeps on slipping into the future, man. Uh, I think we got to talk about, we unfortunately got to talk about some COVID, like you said, in sports. But we don't have much, we don't have much sports to cover today. Just basically the wide net story that is uh, the Omicron variant kind of hitting sports hard right now yeah exactly like and we're not gonna get into like you know like the the specifics you know we we talked about this offline and we're gonna approach this from a different angle we're gonna approach this like from uh um uh, you know unfortunately a, a a money angle unfortunately an advertiser angle like what this actually means to the sports um you know and, and as it's like like i mentioned earlier running wild like it you, over the span of the nfl nba nhl more than 100 individuals right now are in health and safety protocols every league has different health and safety protocols you know, well, we're not going to get into the details of exactly what every league does. Um, I know that the NHL is entering like a heightened alert on their health and safety protocols. So essentially daily testing, uh, masks wearing, mask wearing all the time, indoor, uh, you know, uh, more rules around indoor dining, more rules around like, you know, what you're allowed to do when you're um, away from home and stuff like that. Uh, and but what's really hurting is that, like, uh, it's 100 players across just three leagues, man. Obviously, you know, LeBron James, for example, had to enter the health and safety protocol for the NBA just last week. So, and that's someone who typically doesn't just take random days off, right? Um, you know, and, 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 and it's no secret that people buy tickets to go watch LeBron James, whether they watch the sport or not. Uh, people turn on the TV for a LeBron James, whether people want to admit it or not. These are the superstars of the sport. These are the people who are making these leagues billions and billions and billions of dollars. These are the people that advertisers are are, are gushing over and and spending good money on the leagues and the local, um, you know, the, the especially like look at, at the local level, right? So when you have these stars missing. It really 
really, 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 really hurts the sport, right? Like, um, like we're entering a very weird and awkward times. Like, what do we do? Do we postpone? For example, the EPL right now, they've postponed uh, four games in five days. The EPL right now, English Premier League, uh, soccer in England, they're uh, at the point where they're calling for a, um, a a break until 2022 so that this can kind of move, move like they can get it under control, get a better handle on things because they don't want to be losing out on stars, losing out on advertisement money. Absolutely. You know, here in Ontario, we have new protocols in place where if you have, and I'm not going to get into how this, if this makes sense or not, but the protocol essentially is if you are an indoor venue with more than a thousand people allowed inside, you can only have 50% of capacity. And that includes the Scotiabank Arena, formerly ACC, where the Raptors and the Leafs play. So we're going from about, you know, 19, 20,000 to about nine to 10,000. You have to think of how are they going to distribute these tickets? Because for the most part, these yep. tickets have already been sold. You know, um, who who do you say, no, you're not allowed to come? Uh, if these games, like t- tonight's Raptor game has been postponed already against the Chicago Bulls. Um, so... So yeah, it's it's we'll see, uh, we'll see what uh, what comes of this. Like it's 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 a very awkward and it's kind of like walking on eggshell situation. Uh, but what's your take on all this? Like you know, I, I know that I just threw a lot out there. But yeah. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is that from a money point of view, this can be detrimental to any league. Uh, it could be devastating to a lower level league. It could be devastating to a uh, to a struggling team as well. Like I worry about like an Arizona Coyotes. You know, how do they come through uh, something like this? Like they're on they're on thin ice, as it were, if you'll pardon the pun. But uh, yeah, man, I'm worried uh, mostly about I'm worried mostly about hockey. Although your point about stars is most effective to basketball. Like basketball is hurt the most by the superstars being gone. Hockey and football, they they pretty much survive on like the teams, football especially. Even even the Green Bay Packers are missing uh Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is still going to draw huge ratings and people are still going to go to that game. So, yeah, the, the ticket is the NFL. And it's it's the same it's the same in the NHL to some extent, but I am worried about the lower level hockey teams, the Arizona Coyotes of the world. Like if they if they start losing even more money because of this stuff, if they start getting games canceled, it could be curtains for the Coyotes. They might actually move to Houston or Quebec, but probably Houston. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's talk about the NFL just very quickly about this because they're in the meat and potatoes, the 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 main course of the of the of the season where teams are either going to be making or breaking it. Uh, they're either going to be getting into the playoffs or falling out of the playoffs. So, yeah. you know, f- just from a from a money making point of view, you teams make the most money being in the playoffs. They, they, you know, it's it's just it's just every from 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 attendance to advertisers to everything, you just make the most money 
in the playoffs. Uh, you get so. an extra game, and it's on top of that, it's the most important game of your season. Could be the most important game in the history of the franchise if you're a newer team, like the new incarnation of the Cleveland Browns, who got fucked royally by COVID. They're losing their coach and their starting quarterback, which hurts a lot. Do you see that the Dolphins just lost our boy Waddle today, Boris, out yep. with COVID? Uh, yep. It's just brutal. And, yeah, it, it, like... Far more important is, you know, the health uh, and safety of the players, obviously. But you have to note these things like a, a big absence like that. It could cost Miami their their playoff spot, which they were gunning towards, could easily cost Cleveland a playoff spot. It could you know what I mean? It could cost the NHL players the Olympics entirely. There's well, like exactly like the, right now. It's just like it's like we're literally walking on eggshells with. What do we do? How do we handle this? Really? Like, what's the best approach? Do we leave? money on the table or do we you know just 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 move forward and, and hope for the best yeah uh, the only unfortunate thing is they've screwed the players on the olympics so much recently that the players are going to still want to go no matter what but had they gone to the last few olympics this wouldn't be an issue it would be an easy decision to skip this one because of there's so many reasons to not go to china during a global pandemic and have to potentially quarantine there for five weeks if you get the thing so I, I it would be it would be no discussion had they gone to the last few olympics had they let the nhl players go but they the nhl uh was not uh you know allowing that and that's kind of why we're in this uh, position now. But I do think, like, there's going to be NHL players who go. I think an Alexander Ovechkin, for example, who wants to win that gold for Russia really bad. Even Connor McDavid, who hasn't gotten a chance to play on that stage, hasn't gotten a chance to win a Stanley Cup yet. This could be the most uh, impactful wins of his career if he wins the gold medal. They could be the thing that actually cements his Hall of Fame case, despite the fact that he's probably going because he scores so many points. But you know what I mean? Like, Connor McDavid hasn't won shit. If he goes and wins a Canadian gold medal, well, that's that's humongous for his career. So a lot of these players are going to go, no matter what, if they're allowed. I agree with you there. Uh, you know, but it, 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 and right now, right, the, like... <laughs> The players' union is also in a very weird position because they fought and they fought and they fought and they fought the leagues and the league and the owners for the opportunity to go right. So now the league and the owners is like, well, you know, they're, it's kind of like they're just waiting to see what the players' union is going to do next. Yeah, it's so it's so it, well, it's funny. It's darkly humorous that we're in this position. You know, it's not funny at all. But uh, yeah, it's just I, I really wish they could just punt on this one. Unfortunately, they've punted on the last two. So they have to run head first into whatever is waiting for them in Beijing this winter. Unless the NHL just straight up says you guys can't go. I promise you there's going to be a startling amount of NHLers who go to the Olympics no matter what. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's it's something that we have to consider moving forward like what is going to happen with these sports leagues you know funny enough the reason why i say this is because i've said it on ban before the sports leagues have always kind of been the the the, the real barometer for how how people are handling the, the the pandemic right like if you remember back in march of 2020 it was an nba game that kind of caused the entire world to stop 
Yeah, it was when the Jazz shut down that everyone was like, oh, this thing is real, and we're in for a fight. And we've been fighting ever since, buddy. We've been yep. fighting ever since. Exactly. But, but uh, you know, at least now we have a vaccine. We have booster shots. There are things that can help us move forward, um, you know, and, and, and yada, yada, yada. We're just going to yada through all that stuff. Uh, before we get into wrestling, though, do you want to talk some NFL? Because I feel like we have to talk some NFL. Uh, we should we should briefly touch on it. It's kind of what we do here. We also uh, yeah, we uh, got to pour one out for my fantasy season. <laughs> I uh, I officially am out. I lost by zero point eight of a point, so that's that's less than a yard. Uh, so that one hurts. That one hurts greatly. But uh, you know that's fantasy football. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, the I'm kind of glad that I'm out of it. It was a stressful fantasy season. I don't have to care anymore. I could just kick my feet back and watch football and uh, lament the loss of Jalen Waddle on our Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, that one's gonna really hurt a lot. But yeah, no, it's again. You know, this week in the NFL, like it's just absolutely crazy, and it's cr- it's like. These games, like no team can keep a lead. No, no, how many games went are, are, are going to overtime or very close to overtime? Uh, you know, even even the Thursday nighter, Viking Steeler last week. Like who, who like, like what's going on in this league this year? Yeah, like the Vikings were blowing them out. It really seemed like the Vikings were going to crank them. And then Pittsburgh came all the way back and almost won that game uh, down the stretch. So yeah, it, Today's Thursday nighter is going to be awesome. Chiefs versus Chargers. That's a huge AFC West matchup. We also have a couple Saturday games. The rare Saturday games, Boris. Raiders at the undermanned Browns. And Patriots-Colts Saturday night. That's a very interesting matchup. I think that's going to be a great game. That's going to be a f- just like, uh, you know, Patriots are they're legit. You know, if you remember at the beginning of this season, uh, we were saying that the Patriots are probably the strongest team with a losing record and you know it just goes to show you that they, they were a much better team than their record showed uh you know yep. bills are just gonna just destroy cam newton and his panthers yeah feels like a bounce back game for buffalo they really need that one our fins are taking on the jets so despite the loss of Jalen waddle we should be okay because the jets are a tire fire just a garbage barge and terrible then there, team then there's the attack of the titans you know, David versus David, or sorry, Goliath <laughs> versus Goliath, the Texans versus the Jaguars, and Urban yes. Meyerless Jaguars. Man, he uh, he did worse than Nick Saban did. Urban Meyer embarrassed himself in the NFL. He's never going to get another chance in professional football. And uh, though I'm sure he'll be welcomed back into the NCAA with open arms and, uh, you know, he'll be recruiting kids in no time. This was and, a, and this a pretty big stain. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty big stain on uh, on Urban Meyer, man. This is it doesn't doesn't uh, look good on his resume. He's got a big, pretty big stain. All right. That's for sure. <laughs> Jesus, Lord, all mercy. <laughs> hey. Hey, you know what, though? It's like, it's kind of funny. You were wondering what the line was going to be. And I kind of texted you like, so clearly the line was him like being accused of kicking his old kickers. Like, that's the line. That's the line for the cons. (laughs) I wonder. Yeah, that feels more like a straw that broke the camel's back than the actual line kind of situation. But it is funny that it's actually funny that he lasted this long. If they were going to fire him midseason anyway, 
they should have fired him after like week three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you, you know, now you're seeing reports that like a lot of the coaches were going to walk out on him at the end of the season, especially when the cons kind of backed him as, the, you know, the coach for the future over the past couple weeks, which I just find absolutely ludicrous. Um, huh. Man, just just a shit show. The, the Jaguars, you know, you think that the Dolphins are one of the worst-run teams, and then you see teams like the Jaguars, like the Jets. The Dolphins, historically, you can argue, but the last couple years, man, they've picked it up. The last couple years, the Dolphins have been run pretty well since, like, you know, 2018, 19. I think they're doing doing all right. Historically, you're 1,000% correct, and I can't argue, since, like, 1972. Anyway, uh... Yeah, man, yeah, these, uh, the Jets too, but especially the Jaguars just look like a tire fire right now. They have nothing going for them. They need to hire a new coach and kind of you know, hopefully it's a it's an exciting new name. But you thought that Urban Meyer was that exciting name. Yeah, you would think so, right? But it, clearly it was not. Um, so I think it is time, my friend. We're going to move on to some wrestling chatter. Uh, in terms of the wrestling chatter, we're first going to be talking about AEW. And then the main event is going to be Ring of Honor, just because it was the end of an era for Ring of Honor. Uh, so I think it's only appropriate to end with that. Uh, as we yeah. said at the top of the show, you know, good thing we have waited to record our top 121 of 2021 uh, and and unfortunately for our listeners coming from SNME, their match of the year ballot has been sealed and delivered and counted by me uh, because I think yesterday's opener is going to make a lot of people's match of the year. Um, number one, before we say anything, myself and Dan Lavransky called it. We predicted that it was going to be a 60-minute draw just to make keep both but keep both guys strong, uh, and it's the it was a decision that was somewhat obvious if you started really thinking about it. But then you have to think it's a 60-minute match. We know that one of the p- people in that match could do it, but you know Hangman Page. I still see him. I don't want to say a rookie. I don't want to see that he's green. But you know this is a whole different level. This is a whole different stage. This is his first title defense. He's he's kind of home-ish kind of ish right like so it's 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 it was there was a lot of pressure on him and i honestly think that throughout the 60 minutes because of the crowd because of the competitors because of the compelling storytelling in the match it honestly was one of the best matches of this year Absolutely. Absolutely. Boris, I would say it was a five star match. I just couldn't tell you how it could be better. And the thing that I'm going to take away most out of that match is the very, very end. Although the, the first 59 minutes were amazing. The very end of that match, the last minute was so well done and the crowd was so hot. And when hangman hit that, uh, that buckshot lariat, and the time ran out and they rang the bell. The crowd gasped 
and booed so loudly they started screaming five more minutes. How could you possibly ask for a better reaction? So there, there's a world where this match didn't come across well. If it was a bad match, it was you know it would have hurt both guys badly, and it was a risk for Tony Khan to do this and for both wrestlers to agree. And it was it was a risky proposal. You know, it was a high wire act. But boy, man, they absolutely pulled it off. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be in the top five of our list. I. I'm not exactly sure where, but it was an incredible, incredible match. Yeah, for sure. Look, it was risky because this is now the second time that you have a draw, uh, a time limit draw. Um, back in Arthur Ashe, you had the 30 minute draw with Kenny Omega and and Danielson. Now you have, uh, you know, you have this one. It's just like uh, it, it was risky having two time limit draws so close to each other very risky having the same competitor but like i said that's part of the story now that could be his thing where he can't beat a champion you know <laughs> he struggles to beat the to to get that big match over it's also like a kind of a continuation of his wwe story yeah, it's it's very it's multi-layered for sure and they they instantly created a money match which I hope headlines the next pay-per-view. It easily could Hangman versus Danielson uh and, and yeah man, just just a perfect bit of pro wrestling. It'll be very interesting to see what the ratings show. I hope it grows and doesn't lose viewers. Uh, I but I it's a five star match either way in my opinion. It's a perfect, perfect hour of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh and I really felt bad for for uh Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb to have to follow that because they tore it down too. I thought they had an excellent but they, match. But they didn't follow it. Just remember that. Well, not not directly, but they I mean they were on the same show as it. Like yeah. they, there was no chance, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, but like here's the thing. Like uh, I I I I love the, the opener obviously. Probably the best hour of TV wrestling in 2021, uh not not including pay-per-views. Uh but then, you know, you kind of had the cool off with the Warlow stuff, which was kind of weird in so many different ways. Uh and then you had a fantastic women's match with Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb, it was one again, just a, a, a one of the best women's matches that I've seen in a really long time. It was so well done, awkward ending with standing, but it just worked, right? Yeah, no, it definitely well done, and the crowd wasn't super with it, which I was disappointed by. But not like it's just a, a fact of life. It's just gonna be how it is when something so spectacular opens the show. But yeah. uh, it, they still an awesome job by Sheeta and Deeb. Uh, yeah, Dante Martin was jumping out of the gymnasium, as they say in his match. He was kind of like he kind of missed MJF a couple times because he overshot him because he's too good of an athlete, Boris. But uh, yeah, they'll figure that out. You know, he's still very new. I thought it was an excellent episode of dynamite really really strong yeah you know what honestly i think the first hour again like one of the best hour or the best hour of tv i've seen uh the second hour deep and um and Sheeta really really made that hour and the other stuff was just there right like i would i think that it's still had the momentum of hour one which made it a very good show uh but you know i wouldn't call this the best dynamite episode of the year Ah, uh, that's interesting. No, probably like one of the uh, Arthur Ashe shows or something. Yeah, there was something in there that was probably better for sure. Maybe the St. Patrick's Day show with the amazing Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker match comes and to it mind depends as well. How you see it, right? Like some people would consider CM Punk's episode of Rampage the best 
TV show that yeah. you're, you know, like it, it just depends what yeah. you're looking for. It depends what angle you're sure. coming in. Like, you know, I, we've been talking about this more and more where wrestling is just so subjective that everyone, you know, it's no two people are going to see it the same. Exactly. And that's why we, we just give our opinions and hopefully we do it in an entertaining way. And we've both seen a ton of wrestling. So I feel like we can, you know, kind of weigh it well against the history, at least at that we've seen. So, yeah, that you know, but at the end of the day, it's all subjective, baby. It's all up to you. You know, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, sure. We'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, anything, well, uh, before, before, anything else yeah. you want to touch on? On uh, Winter is coming before we move on to Ring of Honor? Yes. Briefly, before we jet and scoot off of this AEW, uh, shout out to Brody King. I thought Malachi Black's promo was excellent, and we're going to get Black and Brody King. We're going to get the House of Black full on in AEW. Uh, Brody King has grown on me, and I, I'm intrigued to see him as the heavy, as the heavy to Aleister Black, the muscle of the House of Black. Yep, I'm super excited for that. I've always been a huge fan of Brody King. Um, I, I still don't understand why you weren't. It's like you, man, the wrestlers you don't like sometimes. I know like they've grown on you, but like the, the Jordan Devlins of the world, the Brody Kings of the world. Yeah. I, with Devlin, with Devlin, I just always thought he was the rip off the discount Finn Balor. I just couldn't get past it. But he's he's broken past that. With uh, Brody King, I don't know what it was. You might have hit on something when you said he looks like me, but with tattoos. It just kind of bugged me. I don't know what it was. But uh, yeah, I've I've cooled off on my Brody King hate. Yep. Yeah. It, no. Like I'm really really looking forward to what they do there. Um, and hopefully it, it is Brody King. AEW's, you know, they don't have Vince Russo on on uh, on staff, so you know they're not going to swerve people uh, more often than not. You know, we know how things are going to go down, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes doing the obvious thing is the right thing, and the thing that that works that will bring in ratings. Yeah, and I, there are still casual fans. So, like, somebody who's just flipping around is like, oh, I kind of like wrestling. I'll watch this show. They don't understand what uh, the, the Alistair uh, Malachi Black's blow line was, which is you are more than a king, right? So it was clearly dictated, like, to tell the hardcore fan, we are talking about Brody King. He is coming in. And then they happen to break the story on Fightful and on Wrestling Observer that he's been signed. So yeah. I don't think those things are a coincidence. I think that's the, a planted story and a planted line, and he's showing up very soon. Yeah. Uh, so you want to hear an interesting story that I was literally reading earlier this week about Josh Woods? Hit me. All right. So Josh Woods, uh, when he was in NXT... And developmental. He was in developmental around the time that Brian Daniel uh, was uh, was uh, or Daniel Bryan, whatever you want to call him, that he was getting ready to come back. You know, as and we're, we're like from his his neck injury. This is like right. years ago, years ago, like what 2013, 14, whatever it was. Um, and he, you know, they would wrestlers before they were to come back they would go to the performance center and train and they both have like a very heavy martial arts background so uh josh woods was was picked to train with with them now apparently uh all the coaches and the trainers basically said if you hurt if you hurt him you're fired 
<laughs> said that to Josh Woods Josh about Woods. Brian Daniels. Yeah. And this was this was coming back from his neck injury in 2013 yeah. and not the concussion issue that Correct. made him retire for years. Yeah. This was uh, his original comeback from the neck injury when he was like really, really hot, like right before he became mega superstar. Gotcha. I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, that is a hilarious story, and it's clear that they did trust uh, trust Josh Woods a lot if they put him in that position. I wonder why they fired him, although he's if he was in developmental for eight years, I, I guess I kind of get it. Exactly, right? Um, you know, talking about, before we go move on to ROH, I just want to quickly touch on this uh, one piece of news that came out yesterday, and that is the re-signing of Kevin Owens mm. staying in WWE. How does this make you feel? Well, I mean, like the human being in me feels great for him. He's getting apparently two to three million dollars a year for the next three years, somewhere between six and nine million dollars to be a professional wrestler in WWE at the highest level. So amazing. Great. Now, the wrestling fan in me, it kind of sucks because I wanted to see him in AEW because I loved him in PWG playing with all his friends. You know what I mean? Obviously, like that's what I want to see. Because AEW is cool, and we've seen him do awesome work with all these guys before. But, uh, yeah, man, he got a bag from Vince McMahon. Good for you, Kevin Owens. Tip of the cap. I He deserves that money. I'm so glad he got it. I'm extremely happy for him. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and the reason why I bring that up is, like, I sent you some tweets from just just some from silly, silly people who are, who are like, basically talking horribly about the poor guy right now it's like what like why why right wrestling fans internet wrestling community tranquilo what's going on <laughs> like let the man live let the man be like you know he's thinking of his family first you know like as he should as he always has like yes. if you ever listen to him talk if you ever listen to any of his of his interviews you know how important his family is to him even in character, even in kayfabe, he fights for his family. That was his first character vignette. So, yeah, man, this this completely tracks with Kevin Owens' behavior. And I, I actually just didn't think that WWE would offer him so much money. And I do wonder if perhaps he will be a Braun Strowman, a Bray Wyatt before this contract ends. But for now, Kevin, get them checks, buddy. And, and you know what? I bet you that's the way that he sees it, right? Worst case scenario, he gets released. He gets paid for 90 days to sit at home and spend time with his family. And then he gets to hang out with his buddies in AEW. <laughs> exactly right. It seems like a win-win to me. Yeah. Anyway, it's just like, yeah. The only reason I bring it up is just because of the IWC. And people just need to just, you know, just think of the human aspect. Hey, again, I've said this on this show a few times. You know, when we were growing up. People around our age, or we're roughly the same age as some of these wrestlers now, right? It was WWE and WCW, and that was it. So WWE is seen as this, like, the end-all, beat-all more often than not. And you know what? If that is their dream, if that's where they want to be, if that's their hap- if that's where they're happy, if they're happy with being a mid-carder, doing mid-card stuff in WWE, then so be it. Well, man, it's just like no matter how many people tell you, oh, it's shit there, it's trash, and you, you're you not Vince McMahon's kind of guy, whatever, no matter how many people, even in the wrestling business, tell someone that, they're going to want to try it themselves. No matter yeah. how many how many comedians bitch about Saturday Night Live, people aren't turning down that audition. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, 
it's it's funny because like I was I always remember this one story in Bret Hart's book about when he first showed up to WCW and how Hulk Hogan was kissing his ass and he goes to his first Nitro and you know he's 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 essentially set up to be the referee at Starcade and he's like is this really the best way to use Bret Hart you know uh, is this really the best way for me to be on your first pay-per-view and this is a like I'm not quoting this directly but essentially he says I'm not here to bitch anymore you know I have this reputation of taking myself too serious so I'm just gonna show up do what I'm told get my check and go to my family and that's kind of sad to hear in a way, but I could totally understand that. And I, we're not saying like, yes, Kevin Owens is going to lose his passion. You know what I mean? But but like at the same time, this is a job. All all people should care about at the end of the day is, you know, generating an income for their family. If they're if they, if someone like Kevin Owens has a family and it's clearly his top priority, then obviously the thing he needs most is money to raise that family. So yep. I, I think this doesn't close the book on AEW at all. He could go back in three years and negotiate again. Maybe he'll get signed then. Or he could get the Braun Strowman, the Bray Wyatt, the uh, 80 different guy treatment of getting fired. Exactly. All right, man. I think it's time to go to the main event, which is Ring of Honor Final Battle 2021, the end of an era. All right. So first impressions or for once the show ended, how did you feel? What did you think of the show? Like, did you like it? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Uh, big thumbs up, uh, especially the last two matches really warmed my heart, gave me that, yeah, that warm apple pie feeling inside made me uh, miss ring of honor, but it was, it was kind of weird because they were telling us two different things. The whole show, they were telling us, this is the end. This is the final blank title match. He is the final champion. But then they also said, uh, Hey, by the way, we're coming back in April. So, yeah. you know what? You can tell that this was like, you know, there was Sinclair airing those promos saying, we'll be back in April. We'll be back. And then there was like, you know, the day to day people uh, who who know, you know, or who 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 just want if if this is going to be it, this is going to be it. This is the way we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. So, it, yeah, exactly right. Like they everyone involved in the show knew that the Ring of Honor they knew and loved has ended. As of final battle to all, uh, 2021. But it, again, it wasn't, it was just weird to see the, the two narratives on the show. Like everyone actually performing on the show, kind of like in tears and just like treating it like a funeral. But then the show itself telling you, hey, we're coming back. <laughs> yeah, it was really awkward. But like, you, you know, you have to also have to see it. Like some of these performers aren't going to be coming back. They're going to be signed away. True. Some of them might just, you know, not, not want to come back. Some of them, you know, we don't know what how ROH is going to handle the roster. We don't know what type of money they're going to be able to give to some of these names, right? So it might be the last time that they all, like it was the last time that they perform as that incarnation of Ring of Honor in 2021. So like I, I see where they were coming from and but it's just like you're right 100%. The narrative was just so weird and it just made for some really like touching moments. Um, we'll get to some of them and I think the one that really got to me was after one of my favorite matches and that was the the the, the, the Shane Taylor match. Um, but we'll yes. get there in a little bit. 
All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's. So, uh, did you watch the pre-show hour one? Oh, you know I did, buddy. Oh, you know I right, did. Homie. I was covering it for SlamWrestling.net, <laughs> uh, so you can go check out my report. And thank you to everyone who has checked out my report. Um, and you know, before I'm just going to take this one second, and I just want to thank Bob Kapoor for kind of setting this gig up for me, and obviously huge thanks to John and Greg, uh, John Powell, Greg Oliver, for allowing me to write for Slam Wrestling, a guy who, like, again, I've said this so many times, I don't ever, I'm not a writer, I don't see myself as a writer, you know, but they've kind of given me the opportunity at Slam Wrestling to not only, like, be on the ROH guy, but kind of expand on that. So, you know, I just want to thank them. Um, and we'll see what I end up doing at Slam. But, uh, you know, for now, this is, uh, I have like one more report after this, and then we'll see what happens. Anyways, let's get to the pre-show hour one, as they like to call it. So the first match was for the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. It was Shane Taylor Promotions, Moses Khan and O'Shea Edwards versus the Righteous Vincent Bateman and Dutch with Vita Von Starr. Um, I love this right away because the first thing that Ian Riccoboni said was, well, Shane Taylor is usually with Moses and Khan, so this is a different team. And that was kind of the story that they were saying, like, this team isn't as cohesive uh, with... Uh, with O'Shea Edwards as they are with Shane Taylor. Um, and, and the Righteous is like this cohesive unit who's here to take over ROH and kind of like, you know, and, and win these titles. So that was essentially the story that they were going with. Uh, just uh, roughly a 10-minute match, pretty good match, but we did crown new six-man tag team champions. The Righteous ended up winning this match. Yes, yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty standard, pretty average opener, but yeah, I, I did like the story, I appreciate the little free bird rule action going on there, O'Shea Edwards filling in for uh, Shane Taylor, not really, but sort of, uh, yeah, and uh, Vincent wins clean as a whistle, uh, about 10 minutes, as you said, with red rum, which is not Hook's transmission. It is the acid drop, Spike Dudley's old finisher, the Dudley dog, the turnbuckle walk cutter. And, uh, yeah, the final ROH six-man champions, the Righteous, Bateman, Dutch, and Vincent. Yep. After the match, all six men adhered to the Code of Honor. Uh, they go to a video package with Jonathan Gresham, who is part of the main event, uh, where he essentially were, like uh, talked about the day that he got the phone call about the future of ROH's hiatus. Um, and then Quinn McKay was uh, going to interview Jay Lethal. And I guess, you know, before we go there, we should talk about the rating for that match. I would rate that match at uh, three uh, three uh, Code of Honors out of five. I had it at uh, two and a half handshakes, a 50% quiet storm percentage on this one, Boris. But I will accept your three handshakes out of five as well. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. All right. So Quinn McKay and Jay Lethal. Um, Jay Lethal said there's something bigger at stake than winning or losing. Uh, He says that the winner of this match could be the new ROH champion. This leads us into... Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, uh, you know, uh, showing the original ROH title. And then they cut to Bobby Cruz, who does indeed announce that the main event is now set to determine who will be the new ROH champion. 
Yeah, and again, they kept saying the last ROH champion, not the new, the last. And actually, it did change here and there, but uh, by and large, the announcers and every wrestler were treating this like the end. Last, not new. Yep. For the most part. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Quinn McKay then was with Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero essentially said he's going to be on commentary. Uh, Brody King, Homicide, Tony Deppin come into the scene. They say, yeah, nah, you're too much of a legend just to be a commentator. I think you want to get violent, get violent with us. Yes, so this six-man tag looking like it will become an eight-man tag and Rocky Romero one night only added to Violence Unlimited. Yep. Uh, then we get a bunch of thank yous from the uh, from Ian Riccoboni. He wanted to thank uh, NWA, G- GCW, Jim Cornette, Adam Pierce, Dave Prazak, Lenny Leonard, and many more. Uh, Maria Canellis then thanks Bobby Cruz, who worked closely with her in putting the new women's division together. Uh, this leads us into match number two of our one, their pre-show, uh, which was Chelsea Green, Allison Kay, and Marty Bell versus Miranda Alize, Angelina Love, and Mandy Leone. Yeah, this was an NWA match here on Ring of Honor. It's what it felt like. But, you yeah. know, it wasn't terrible or anything. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to turn the channel on uh, Mandy Leone and Angelina Love at any point. Angelina Love, good Canadian gal from Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, yep, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, yes, she is. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Chelsea Green with a huge dive from the from the uh, from the ring post to the outside. Uh, that was probably the highlight of this match. Uh, but inside the ring, Mandy Leone does her pump handle slam on Marty Bell for the win. So your winners were Miranda Alize, Angelina Love, and Mandy Leone at six minutes and fifty seconds. I'm gonna have to Mendoza line this match. I would go, I may, I'm being a little harsher to this show than you are, Boris. I had it as a slight fail. Uh, two handshakes out of five. It's a 40% Allison Danger percentage on this one, Boris. You're you're a failure. Um. <laughs> also, <laughs> it's worth noting that uh, Mandy Leone's finishing move is called Astral Projection. That sit-out pump handle bomb thing. I just really like that. Uh, I, I like that name. Astral Projection for Mandy. All right, uh, all six women uh, gave a group hug, and I actually really laughed because Allison Kay is like the heel of the heels of the heels, and she was like disgusted with herself that she was hugging uh, everyone now. <laughs> so that was like just a little little thing that I really liked. Um, then we get a video package featuring the Briscoes. They talk about the exciting uncertainty, and I, you know, and again, very much like Brody King, I one thousand percent expect them to beat up FTR in the next week or two. At AEW. Maybe at that Battle of the Belts show, perhaps as soon as next week at the Holiday Bash show. Who knows, Boris, but I think you're bang on. Yeah, I think that ultimately what they're going to it's going to lead to is going to be FTR versus the Briscoes at the Hammerstein Ballroom for GCW. Oh, that's interesting. That would get me to watch a GCW show again. Hopefully they have seven death matches on the undercard and I never want to watch one. That's what happened last time. Exactly. All right. So then EC3 was ready for a promo, and then he was interrupted by Eli Isom, Tracy Williams, and Taylor Rust. Isom said that they were uh, that they were now down a man and watched EC3 join them. EC3 said, "Hey, you've been warned." 
So a little, 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 little seed for stuff that happens later in the night. Uh, Danhausen joins the commentary team, and this leads us into a 10-man wildcard tag team match. So it was Beer City Bruiser, Brian Milonis, uh, World Famous CB, Flip Gordon, and PJ Black versus LSG, Demonic Flamita, Will Ferraro, Sledge, and Max the Impaler with Amy Rose. So all action, entertaining match. I would say it was pretty good, but man, there was a lot of your most hated thing in wrestling, Boris. A lot of standing around waiting for the next move. Yep, too much of that. I, 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 I by the middle of this match, I just want I, number one, too many people. <laughs> number two, too many spots where people were just waiting. It just seemed very messy. Um, and you know, the, the ROH doesn't have the best production, so. When you have so many people in the ring and so much so much stuff happening, it's just hard to as a TV viewer to keep up and stay interested with all the pandemonium. Yeah, absolutely. This match was junk food. If like a hangman page versus Brian Danielson was a proper like Thanksgiving Christmas turkey of a meal, healthy, all four food groups, this was junk food. This was a bag of pork rinds, Boris. But you know what? I enjoyed the bag. I uh, I had I, I had a good time watching this match. Uh, LSG gets murdered to finish this match yes. with a doomsday destroyer. What that means is that Flip Gordon has LSG on his shoulders and PJ Black comes off the top rope and hits a Canadian destroyer off of a man's shoulders, killing LSG dead in the middle of this ring. So, you know what's funny? This isn't the first time they've done this move. They've actually done this on regular TV before. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's their tag team finisher. It's spectacular. It's one of the craziest moves in wrestling right it now. It looks so dangerous, though. Oh, my God. It's very dangerous. Yes. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, Matt, how would you rate this match? So I'm going to go as high as three handshakes out of five for this one. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was a good bag of Doritos of pro wrestling. 60% ace steel percentage on this one. Boys. Yeah, I'm going to have to Mendoza line this one. There was just too much waiting, too much, too much, too much stuff for me. Fair enough, buddy. Fair enough. All right. This leads us into the ROH final battle main card as we enter the fourth match of the night, which was Dragon Lee versus Ray Oris. Oh, man, this match was so effing good. I rarely say this about Ring of Honor matches especially, but I wanted five more minutes, man. I thought they ended it too soon, and that's the only real criticism I have of this match. You know what, though? A lot of these matches were timed well in terms of I kind of wanted more out of these matches. Yeah. And the pacing of this entire show just reminds me how much I hate the pacing of modern-day WWE peacock oh. pay-per-views ah it's so brutal especially with the with the derivative character promos that we've seen over and over and over showing up on those but uh, yeah man i really enjoyed this match i wouldn't say it was the best dragon lee oris match we've seen these guys have awesome matches but they they can't they can't fail it's a winning combination no matter what yeah exactly uh no this match was great um essentially the story was just you know dragon lee hasn't lost to ray oris and, and, and that streak kind of continued because for that last quarter of the match, it was just Dragon Lee basically killing Ray Oris with <laughs> kicks and elbows to the head. 
Yes, and then he, he just beats the crap out of this poor man and wins with the Incinerator, which is basically the Kinshasa or the Bomaye. It is the running knee bomb in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. A very, very good wrestling match. Yep, exactly. So Dragon Lee won that one. Uh, Matt, how would you rate this match? We're going to go as high as three and three quarter handshakes on this one, buddy. 75% Chad Collier percentage. Love it. B plus in Canada. Love it. Let's let's use it. Uh, all right. After that, Ian Rigabani said that the following video is courtesy of Impact Wrestling. It was Eddie Edwards. He sent in a video from home. He thanks ROH and the ROH fans for giving him the chance when no one else would. This was a theme throughout the night. There was a lot of special appearances via videos. Uh, my only complaint, and this is again ROH production, was that the mixing was really bad. So, like, they yes. weren't piping the sound through the TV. We were, at times, getting the arena sounds. Uh, so we were listening to these promos through the mics that were set up in the arena rather than piping it through the TV feed. Yeah, excellent call. Yeah, the production in Ring of Honor, yet again, leaving something to be desired. But that's oh, it's almost the charm of this show, especially on this particular night. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, this is pretty cool. Match number five. It was for the Ring of Honor TV title. Your newly crowned champion defending it for the first time. Dalton Castle with Dax Draper and the boys versus Joe Hendry versus Red Titus versus Silas Young in a four-corner survival match. Uh, this was Joe Hendry's first match since March of 2020. And it, I, I, I think this guy since March of 2020 has lived in a gym. Yeah, no doubt. He looks shredded. Uh, old man strength from uh, Joe Hendry, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to learn that. Uh, good to see him back out there since the pandemic started. I Yeah, I and, you know, obviously he was kind of for sure going to take the loss in this match. Not surprised that he did. I am surprised at the winner, Boris. We have a new Ring of Honor television champion. Yeah, Red Titus ended up winning this match. And I kind of feel it's like, you know, th- you know that this was his first singles match? Uh, title oh, in like eight I years that he's been that. at Ring of Honor. So when I learned that, I'm like, makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I know he's gotten the tag team title before, but I had thought that he just had the pure or this TV title before at some point. So yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Rhett Titus pins Joe Hendry with a drop kick in eight minutes and 51 seconds yes. to win the title. Yeah, as soon as Ian Riccoboni made a made mention about Red Titus's special drop kick, I'm like, well, he's winning this match. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always forget how um, agile Silas Young is. Absolutely, yeah, the last real man. I love me some Silas Young. Yeah, he's definitely he always brings it on the the lower level Ring of Honor house shows. I've seen like three or four Ring of Honor shows, and I always leave thinking, man, I like Silas Young a lot. Like I like him more and more every time I see him live. Yeah, can't wait to see him versus Trevor Murdoch. Oh my God, him versus Tyrus. Let's go. <laughs> him versus Nick Aldis. Actually, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. That would, be, I would, that'd I would be good. Like yeah, so yeah, in, if I had in, to put a rating on this one, buddy, I would go two and a half handshakes. It's a Mendoza line, 50% BJ Whitmer percentage. <laughs> okay, that one got me. That one, well done. <laughs> 
the next video was from AEW World Champion Hagman Adam Page. He thanked everyone and the fans. He talked about being on the road. He talked about learning a lot from ROH. So that was a nice little touch. This then directly led us into match number six because, like I said, the pacing on point. Unlike yes. this show sometimes. Match number six for the <laughs> yes. ROH Pure Championship. Josh Woods, your champ, versus Brian Johnson. Your boy, the number one overall BAM draft pick, Josh Woods, versus my boy, the number 20 overall draft pick, Brian Johnson. Uh, yeah, this was awesome. I really like the storytelling here a lot, although it was kind of, it was written with a giant neon yeah. highlighter. Like, you saw it coming the entire time, but that's fine. It's pro wrestling. Again, Shakespeare. sometimes, sometimes, Matt, the obvious story is the best story. So essentially what yes. happened here is that uh, Brian Johnson spent his three rope breaks within the first two or three minutes of the match. Um, and then it essentially uh, uh, Josh Woods puts, or, or sorry, Brian Johnson is going for a suplex. Josh Woods stops it, puts him in a front sleeper hold on the top rope, but he's out of he's out of rape, rope breaks. So it's illegal. And he was forced to lose this match. Yes, yeah. Josh Woods defeats Brian Johnson by technical submission when Brian Johnson passed out to a head and arm choke while Josh Woods was seated on the top turnbuckle. So Brian Johnson fighting in the ropes, but it didn't matter because he used all his rope breaks early. Uh, really good 13-minute match. I quite enjoyed this. I can see why you like Josh Woods. He's uh, he's kind of like I just said about Silas Young, except way, way more. I like him so much more every time I see him. Like He's really impressive, this Josh Woods. Yeah, he really is. Like He, he impresses me a lot. Um, unlike the Shania Twain song, he don't impress me much. This guy does indeed <laughs> impress me much. You know, that I'm was talking. a long way to go for that one, buddy. <laughs> it's one of those cases of I'm just talking, don't know where I'm actually going with where I want to go, but I got Did there. Did it seem like you had a plan? No. Uh, <laughs> All right. But yeah, I would give this match, uh, I would go as high as three and a half handshakes out of five, 70% Dan Moff percentage. It's a B in Canada. All right, the next video was from Jimmy Jacobs. He said that the ROH crew and wrestlers is just a bunch of people who wanted to change the wrestling business. He told story a story about multiple times that he was on the road with Colt Cabana, the Bucks, and Kenny, and other people who now are, in fact, changing the wrestling business. And it all started at Ring of Honor. And he said that he's the princess and he always gets what he wants. Uh, so that was, I, I really like this one just because it, it is true, right? Like if you think about Ring of Honor and the history of Ring of Honor and you think about the people that went through Ring of Honor and where they are now, like that is the wrestling business. Oh, absolutely. The fingerprint is humongous. Like the footprint, it's, it, it's crazy. None of these... Yeah, even WWE, you know, would would really exist in the form that they are without Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, match number seven was a fight without honor. Shane Taylor versus Kenny King. I think I like this match a lot more than I should have. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of street fights, especially street fights that take place in uh, some promotions just because of the production, just because of the amount of plunder, just because of unsafe they are. But I really, really, really enjoyed this match. I did think there was a little bit of the waiting around in yes, this match. Yes, there, but, there but, was. But, yeah, but it was overall awesome. The crowd was so hot for this match, really with it the entire time. And it felt like 
it could have been the last, I don't want to say the last, like these guys will never wrestle again, but it might be the last major stage match for both men. Kenny King is, is sneaky old and uh, Shane Taylor is just, he's, he's a really good wrestler, but he's kind of, he's got that weird body type and I don't know if he's going to really like get pushed to the moon in AEW or anything. You know what I mean? Like ring of honor was this guy's home and I don't know where he's going to go from here. I can see Shane Taylor and SOS kind of end up in NWA somehow, which will be interesting. Um, I think that's really one of the main destinations for them. GCW, obviously, doing doing the whole independent scene. Uh, but in this match, some of the spots that really stood out for me was uh, uh, at one point Kenny King does a blockbuster from the ring from the top rope. Shane Taylor's on the ring apron. They end up outside through a couple tables. Um, Shane yes. Taylor at one point does a Marcus Garvey driver through a ladder. That was kind of set up perpendicular uh, to the ring and the the barricade. Uh, that one looked super dangerous. And that one kind of did bother me just a little because, you know, Shane Taylor asked the, the security to make sure that it's stable. And it took him a while to get up there. But I kind of did like the story that Kenny King was like taunting him. Like, come on, mother mofo, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, specifically the uh, package pile driver through the ladder was it was very dangerous. It looked like they fell right off and it could have hurt Kenny King really bad. So, I mean, it's just a fact of wrestling. Like we all know it's fake. But when when they lose that illusion, it kind of hurts the match a little bit. And not only did Shane Taylor wait for the security to like set up the bridge and brace it and make sure it was good. But then immediately he went over to Kenny King and was like, oh, are you okay?" Which you obviously should do. Like he obviously should check on his opponent. But it just made the whole thing was like a pretty fake two minutes, you know? Yeah, well, that's when you can cut the camera to something else, right? Like, and exactly. that, again, I go exactly. back. Production. Uh, anyways, yes. back in the ring, uh, Taylor gets a second Marcus Garvey driver, the package, uh, <clears throat> the package to, uh, pile driver onto a chair. This time, he, he knew he had the match in the bag because he went for the pin and got the win. So your winner at 18 minutes, Shane Taylor. Yes, with the Marcus Garvey driver, as you said, the package pile driver, very good match, a few nitpicks, we've already touched on them, but these guys beat the crap out of each other, and the crowd was super into it the whole time, I would go three and three quarter handshakes, 75% Steve Carino percentage. Yep, Uh, after the match, the rest of Shane Taylor promotions come out to celebrate, and then... In a very like heartfelt moment, Kenny King, Shane Taylor, all of uh, Shane Taylor promotions just hug in the ring. They hug it out. And it was just uh, like one of those special moments. Like you said, it's kind of like they knew that this might be the last time that they face each other. They know that this might be the last time that they're in the same promotion. They clearly respect each other. Um, you know, even from a storyline point of view, they were together for a while and they broke up, became bitter, mortal enemies. And then, you know, they've been feuding for the the longest time then this match happened so even from a storyline point of view it made sense but this was just like a nice little touching moment yeah man yeah there, this show i did have one i think classic match we'll talk about it in just a little bit and uh, i i don't think it was the best ring of honor show i've ever seen but anyone who has ever watched one second of ring of honor and enjoyed it should watch this show it was just such an outpouring of love it was just you were feeling the love all night it was really nice yeah 
Uh, all right. So the next special uh, video aired and it's CM Punk. And he says that he was part of ROH's history. And the company he left is very different from the ROH of today. Punk said that people shouldn't be sad about what is about to happen and that what could happen. But people should be happy that it did, in fact, happen. Punk said that the wrestling business would be very different if it weren't for ROH and that many top stars of the wrestling world got their start at ROH and he can only look back at Ring of Honor with nothing but pride. Yes, yeah, it was nice. Nice CM Punk promo here. It's very cool to see him uh, back on Ring of Honor TV in some capacity, even if it's a little video like that. Never, ever thought I'd ever see it again. Right, exactly. And then it was time for the ROH Women's Championship match. Your champion, Roxy, the Connor McDavid of the wrestling business, the prodigy herself versus Willow. And we say that only because Ring of Honor tells us that over and over. They use that line directly. Right. Before we really get into this match, we didn't really rate the previous match, did we? No, I thought we did. I gave it a yeah, a three and three quarters, seventy five percent. Steve Carino percentage. Yeah, you did, you did. Sorry, was, uh, <laughs> just... all good, buddy. All good. All right. So, women's match: Roxy versus Willow. What did you think of this match, Matt? Uh, it was very sloppy. Like these guys, these uh, women are both pretty green. But uh, overall, I thought it was pretty. Like it was solid. It was a good match. I think in the end of the day, they worked really hard, but you could tell how new they were. The execution wasn't exactly crisp, you know? Yeah. And they told a good story. At the end of the day, the story was that, you know, before Roxy, no one had video on her. Now there is video on her. So Willow was able to prepare for her and and Willow was a step ahead of Roxy. And she used her power to kind of control the match. But Roxy, you know, just being the, um, you know, the, 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 the David to Willow's Goliath, she was able to overcome Willow, find a way, get the, um, the, get the code red. And she ended up winning in nine minutes and 50 seconds. Yes, with the code rock, which is the code red, a.k.a. What would you call that? A sunset flip bomb? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. A- backpack koala bear bomb i don't even know what you would call it yeah zelina uses it right now Um, yes quite a few women use it yeah uh, gold dust even is used it trevor murdoch uses it you probably know what the code red is uh if you watch a lot of wrestling so yeah i'm gonna go as high as three handshakes out of five 60 percent alexis loray percentage whatever happened to her (laughs) right All right, so after the match, it was announced. Ian Riccoboni did say that uh, Roxy still does have one defense left on ROH TV Christmas weekend. Um, Roxy and Willow hug it out as they were hugging. A very familiar song played, but not from ROH, not from AEW, not even from NWA, from Impact Wrestling, the virtuosa Diana Peraza walks out with her AAA women's title, the Reina de Reinas Campeonato. Uh, she, the crowd is going nuts. They're chanting, holy shit, Peraza gets on a mic. Uh, and then she says that she heard that Roxy claims she's a fighting champion, a champion that will fight anyone, anywhere. Then Perazzo said that when she beats Mickey James to get her knockouts title back, she wants to face Roxy in a winner-take-all match. Roxy barely hesitated, and they shook hands to accept the match. Interesting development here. 
Deanna Perrazzo, one of the single most underrated talents in all of professional wrestling, does not get nearly enough respect. She's awesome. Very excited for Deanna versus Roxy. Biggest match of Roxy's career by a country mile. Yep, exactly. And and Roxy has very parallel career to Deanna Perrazzo. Like, Deanna Perrazzo's in her early 20s. You know, like, we have to remember that. Like, she is so young still. Um, and Crazy. Roxy, you know, is the prodigy. Like, she is not even 20 at this point. Like, it's just absolutely crazy so i think this match is kind of like you know the, the 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 match of the rookies you know no, definitely it'll be very very uh entertaining and i imagine it'll happen at a big impact show hard to kill they said right i believe so uh no hard to hard to close when she faced mickey james anyways it doesn't it does it's impact it doesn't matter um <laughs> <laughs> sorry um, all right, Adam Cole was the next special video. He said that he became the wrestler that he is today because of his time at Ring of Honor. He said that he doesn't have the time to thank everyone, so he just says thank you to everyone. Yeah, Adam Cole's great, eh? Like, he's so good. He's such a natural babyface or heel. Like, he, he's such a good asshole on television that you forget that in real life, he's just such a nice down-to-earth guy, you know? Oh yeah, exactly. But and you know, if you've seen his Twitch stream, you know this. Like he's he's just a yeah. really cool guy. I, I I personally don't, but like just from what I've seen clips here and there of, of what people have posted and how he is and especially the way that he is with Cesaro and 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 and, and Xavier Woods, right? It's just that that friendship that 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 the, of those three is like really cool to see. Same. Yeah, I I'm not much of a Twitch watcher. Same. I've seen like uh, clips posted here and there and yeah he seems like a super friendly like just just awesome guy to hang out with you know yep all right match number nine violence unlimited brody king homicide tony deppin and rocky romero rocky asuka romero with chris dickinson uh versus ec3 trailer tracy williams eli ism and taylor rust yes out on crutches chris dickinson feel bad for him but uh, you know he would have been in this match. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good, another kind of all-action, uh, big Ring of Honor tag with uh, a strong, clean victory by Brody King. And yeah, Eli Isom ate a ton of offense in this match. Yeah, exactly. So King hits Ism with a lariat, then has Gonzo Bomb, uh, and ends up winning it for his team. So your winners, Violence Unlimited, Brody King, Homicide, Tony Deppin, and Rocky Romero at 14.45. You know what's funny is I wrote down a pretty high number here. I went as high as three and a half handshakes, 70% Adam Pierce percentage. But in this moment, I don't remember a second of this match. I really do not remember anything that happened except the Gonzo Bomb at the end. It, you know, And, what? It, and it, all the stuff after. There was a lot of action. There was honestly a lot of action. It was like it was just nonstop. It was 15 minutes of basically nonstop wrestling. Um, and yes, it's sir. funny that you say that because I was thinking the exact same thing as we we're talking about this match. Like I had to look at my notes on slamwrestling.net in order to talk about this match. <laughs> yeah, so it didn't really stick with you. But you know what? The the closing angle here actually did stick with me pretty seriously. Yep. So EC3 is now on the mic. He says that, uh, you know, everybody honors the past. We stand together in a ring of honor. EC3 then talks about old money and new money and everything in between. How And how the wrestling business is nothing but controlled by greed and these people. 
who'd use them as puppets. He said, everything they stand for is a lie. He said, there's no honor in what they do anymore. He said, it's the wrestlers who sacrifice everything. He asked where the leaders were. Um, Dak Draper, Brian Johnson are also out at this point. Uh, EC3 said that it's a call to arms for anyone who wants to take back their business. EC3 then said that they need to control the narrative. Then two random guys show up. One of them was Wesley Blake. The other guy I actually at the time didn't recognize. Um, and then EC3 kind of looks at the hard camera and says, says to release the Titan. And then out comes Titan, Adam Sure, Adam Titan, as he's being called. And he just walks down the ramp kicks everyone's ass and then this new con and then they take back the young guns and uh that's how this wraps up yeah the former braun Strowman shows up absolutely wrecks house hits a chingona bomb boris raquel gonzalez's finisher yep and yeah braun Strowman here at the final final battle yeah um interesting angle to run you know uh again if if ROH is going to be in a GCW indie promotion. I can see these guys coming back. I think we talked about this where I can honestly see EC3 beating Jonathan Gresham for the belt just because he could be a guy that sticks around for the independent, whatever that, the new incarnation of ROH. But it's kind of weird and awkward to run such a major angle on this final battle. I do kind of want to see Jonathan Gresham in the ring next to Braun Strowman, though. That would be an interesting picture. That would be a fun match, almost. I would. I, I have no idea how that would look. But you know what, Boris? You might be onto something. EC3 might win this title. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, this le directly leads us into the Young Bucks, and they talk about their time at ROH, and they just wanted to thank everyone involved cut back to the ring and it's time for the ROH Tag Team Championship match as the OGK Matt Taven and Mike Bennett with Maria Kanellis face off against Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe the Briscoes I'm not sure if this is true but they said on the broadcast that they, they didn't know what to make the main event of this program and they flipped a coin and the Briscoes match lost the coin flip and thus went on as the semi-main. But, man, this should have main-evented the show. This match was awesome. This was everything that th uh, this ROH pay-per-view needed. If they ran this match 100 times in 100 different buildings around the world, it wouldn't have been the same as on the final Ring of Honor show in front of that crowd with that much love for the Briscoes. With the Briscoes' kids in the front row... Uh, man, just absolutely brilliant pro wrestling. It was just a pure spot fest. But on this moment for these two teams, neither one wanting to lose the Ring of Honor tag team titles. It just was perfect. It just absolutely worked for me. Just awesome. Awesome. Classic tag team match. And the farewell for the Briscoes and Ring of Honor. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, like what's, what was really cool about this for me was all, it kind of felt like classic Ring of Honor. Right? When you think of classic Ring of Honor tag teams, you think of the Young Bucks you think of yeah. the kingdom, Matt Steen Erico. Yep, exactly. And you think of the Briscoes, right? So this just felt like that classic era of ROH. Maria Canellis ate a nasty looking spear on the apron at one point. Like it just, it just honestly felt like like heyday Ring of Honor. Yeah, always like to see Maria Canellis out there. Honestly, an awesome manager. And yeah, she took a hell of a bump. 
Uh, so yeah, really just uh, just an enjoyable watch. I, I wish this were the main event, although the main event was still very good in its own right. But I loved this match, man. I thought it was a classic, especially like I said, because of the moment, because of the the crowd. This th- on this specific day, this specific match was one of the best tag team matches I've seen all year. Yeah. Awesome, awesome pro wrestling. Exactly. And we've been seeing some just, uh, you know, to borrow a phrase from JR, we've just been seeing some slobber knocker tag team matches in the past few months. Yeah. And this, yeah, right up there on that list. Boris, I'm going to go as high as four and a half handshakes out of five. It is a stone cold fucking classic. I will think about this match again. I will remember this match for years. I will show people this match if they wanted to see what the Briscoes are all about. The perfect time, perfect one to show them. It's 90% Jimmy Rave percentage on this one, buddy. Uh, A plus. Yeah. Great job. Good, good good percentage rating there, my friend. Uh, no, this match, honestly, you, you said it. We're just going to move on because you said everything that any person could say about this, about this uh, match. This match lasted 15 minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, Briscoes ended up winning, uh, so the fans are celebrating. Everyone's throwing streamers. Everyone is is happy. Everyone is sad. There's a beautiful moment with the Briscoes and the original kingdom. A Briscoes chant start. Jay grabs a mic. Jay said that it might be the end of an era, but it's not the end of the Briscoes. He then said that if there was any team out there who wants a piece of them, they're waiting for them. Dexter Loomis cuts off the lights. And then when the lights come back up, FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood are in the ring with the Briscoes. Holy shit. A huge fight erupts, and uh, security tries to separate them, but they keep going at it back and forth. Security eventually separates them. But what a fucking, I'll just use my one F word, what a fucking moment. I think yeah, it's been two or three. I, I've dropped like three or four on this show, I know. But ah, what a what a moment for sure. What a match that's going to be. Briscoes versus FTR. Can't wait to see that. Dem boys versus the Revival. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm just uh, more intrigue coming out of this Ring of Honor show. Although I'm pretty sure that AEW is getting that one. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, it's it's sad just because... You know, can you imagine the position that ROH would be in if some of these things were in ROH? Yeah, I, I could. I could imagine that. Tony Khan can imagine it, too. <laughs> exactly. All right, the next video package aired, and this time it was Brian Danielson, and he said that he was um, personally at the first ROH show, and he wouldn't be where he is today if it wasn't for ROH. He recalled that it was at Final Battle where he lost to Homicide and had his retina detached. Danielson ended the video by saying that he hopes uh, ROH sticks around and it's something great. And then he, like everyone before him, said, thank you. Yeah, that very nice video from Brian Danielson there. Uh, and he got a hero's welcome. Like, he got a bigger pop than CM Punk did, I think. Yeah, he did. He did. 100% he did. Uh, all right. So, Ian Riccoboni thanks Scott Damore from Impact, Tony Khan from AEW, and Billy Corgan from NWA for all of the special videos. We get a video package showing all of the past ROH champions. And then it's time for the main event for the original ROH World Championship. Jay Lethal. Jonathan Gresham, the foundation going at it. Matt, this match, this match. Yeah, 
It was just it was the worthy end to this era, you know. It was a great main event. It I I really like my my heart filled. I I actually like got a, a little bit of chills when the roster came out, when the whole locker room emptied to watch the final few minutes of this one. It was just like man, it just like it kind of felt like a party, you know what I mean? Like a Viking funeral. It was just it was a it was a proper send off to this Ring of Honor on a flaming boat out in the sea. It really was, man. Uh, and, and and it was just a, such a good match, you know, and Jay Lethal always trying to, and the story essentially, I love this story, Jay Lethal, you know, always trying to find the lethal inf- injection, and everyone knows that's what he's always trying to do, and then Jonathan Gresham, who while he was pure champion, beat all of his opponents in every match a different way, so you never know how he's going to beat you, you know, he's like... Uh, essentially like the Zack Sabre Jr. of ROH where you just don't know yes. what move he's going to end up beating you with so they that was the story essentially Gresham locked um, Lethal in an octopus and he just starts raining down elbows onto Lethal Lethal has no choice but to give up and all the, the entire locker rooms around the ring all the crowd is going nuts and it was just like that that you know that moment for Jonathan Gresham and they didn't pull the Josh Alexander and fuck him out of it. They just let this moment happen. Everyone celebrates. Everyone goes home happy. And we await to see the future of Ring of Honor. But yeah, man, I really enjoyed this main event. We're the end to the era, like I said. I would go as high as four handshakes out of five. It's an 80% Samoa Joe percentage, Boris. Yep, yep, exactly. It, it really was a fitting end to this era of Ring of Honor. We said it already. It was a great show. If there's any Ring of Honor show that you're going to watch over the past few years, this probably should be it just because it had a little bit of everything. And it kind of summarized what the golden era of Ring of Honor was. Just great matches, great tag team matches, great stories. It was just like it it really um, it was the perfect way to end this incarnation of Ring of Honor. And I hope it comes back in some shape, way or form. We just really don't know what the future holds. But, you know, if anything, we t- already talked about this. Ring of Honor has provided the wrestling business with its top stars. And what more can you ask for? Yeah, thank you to everyone who passed by Ring of Honor. Thank you to that company for putting on great shows in Toronto that we both had the uh, the pleasure of uh, seeing in front of our own faces. And yeah, just in, an indelible mark left a humongous footprint on the wrestling industry and pour one out for ring of honor. You know, I, I am excited to see what happens in April. Yep, exactly. Ballergear.ca is where you can get all of the SNME merch. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a patron of SNME, you still have a bunch of shows to get through all elite weekly featuring the old fucks. Joe is back this week with Dan. They're going to be talking about winter's coming and that fantastic opening match that's coming to you Friday on Saturday. You got not Uno, but those shows you get the smack daddies talking all things Smackdown. And then you get dark side of the elite talking all things rampage on the rampage roulette. And then on Sunday, Mike and Jason are back with the main show. What a time to be a wrestling fan. And I think the most appropriate quote that I could think of to end this show with comes from The Office, from the final episode of The Office. And that's Andy Bernard when he said, and this is very appropriate for Ring of Honor because you sometimes forget of how special Ring of Honor was. You know, the past few years have been very tough for them. Um, 
So here's the quote. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye. Good work, nerd dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah.